Hello, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Well, around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com and, of course, across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, it is the Michael Duke Show. Hi, how are you? Good morning to you. I hope you had a fantastic weekend, a restive, restorative weekend. Uh, it has been a, uh, well, it was good. It was so good. Uh, I know you guys probably missed us on Friday and Monday, but I got to tell you, a much better frame of mind, much better state of mind today than I was, oh, Last week. It was so good. You have no idea, no idea how good it all felt uh, to take a little bit of time off, get a few things done uh, around the house, and uh, just enjoy myself. I did not get to, I did not go to Homer. I had a, I had a phone call from a couple friends who thought I was going to Homer, and uh, nope, didn't get, didn't get a chance to go down there. Although my wife did remind me that uh, through our, her Facebook memories, she could see that we were down there last year. Just haven't made it down there this year. It's just one of those, just one of those things. Uh, haven't haven't made it out to uh, my adopted hometown yet this year, but uh, we will here in the near future. We will be making it happen. Um, so here we are, one one single day, uh, one single day away from the filing deadline for all the statewide local offices. And there has been some shifts and changes and some things that we're going to talk about here in a moment. We'll get you some uh, details on that and talk a little bit about what's going on there. We'll talk about the continuous backlash on what's going on from Uvalde and uh, and everything else. Uh, coming up here in just a bit, we're going to be talking with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He is our weekly Tuesday guest. And... Uh, as you saw, I got a bit confused there. I <clears throat> had Monday up originally on the splash for the video for the simulcast. I, you know, I'm sure this week is going to be confusing. It is going to be a short week, which I guess is the one major blessing of a, you know, three day weekend or four day weekend is that you get a short week uh, coming up into it. And so we look forward to <clears throat> we look forward to being with you guys and seeing what the rest of the week brings. But Brad Keithley is going to come in and talk with us. We're going to uh, we're going to hit on uh, what's going on with the Cook Inlet gas. What does that mean for South Central? We're going to talk about uh, the PFD, where it goes from here, and we're also going to talk about the future of Anwar. Anwar is getting a lot of press right now, and we're going to talk about those things uh, as well. Uh, meanwhile, we'll hit these headlines and go through it, and then in hour two, Chris Story, the man from Homer, will join us, and we will talk to uh, him as well. Get our weekly uplift 
uh, to talk about something. So <clears throat> I hope you had, like I said, I hope you had a good uh, a good restive weekend because we're going to dive right down into it here to begin with. First and foremost, let me just say this. Oof, man, so, so warm out there, so hot. This is... Um, well, it's uh, it's looking like this is going to be a terrific um, fire season or potential fire season, and I'm really concerned about it for a lot of folks. There's a whole article in the ADN talking about uh, the conditions that are going on up on Anchorage's hillside, where about 30,000 people live. Um, but of course, that uh, that can affect many people across you know many parts of the state. Remember the whole Kenai fire. Uh, what three four years ago now, uh, and how much damage that wreaked. Uh, the Big Lake fire prior to that, the uh, <clears throat> the uh, twenty uh, the twenty the twenty sixteen fire uh, that was down on the uh, peninsula, the McHugh uh, the McHugh Creek fire. So let me just again uh, encourage everybody to be as cautious and as safe as they can be. Uh, with just we've had one rainstorm. Uh, well, in my house anyway, we've had one rainstorm so far this whole late spring, early summer, and I'm really getting a little concerned about that. So we're going to be as careful as we can be, but uh, definitely uh, be cautious out there, my friends. Uh, nobody needs uh, <clears throat> another million acre fire anywhere out there right now. Uh, so that was my, uh, that's kind of my first thought for the day. Um couple things happened uh, over the Memorial Day weekend, of course, again, never letting a crisis go to waste. The president continues to double down on his argument that the Second Amendment is not, um, <laughs> well, I mean, is not what? I mean, he he basically said it's not sacrosanct. It's not, uh, you know, he go, went on to talk about how there's no rational basis for Americans owning any firearm chambered in a what he called a major caliber, large caliber, nine millimeter. He also mentioned nine millimeter uh, in particular. Of course, the most popular caliber ammunition in America, uh, used by you know hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands of American citizens, and of course law enforcement. Um, but it looks like there's just. Uh, I, I just there's no simply no rational basis for high caliber weapons in terms of thinking about self protection and hunting. Now, I don't know how many bears that Biden has killed, but a high caliber weapon seems to be the perfect choice if you're hunting bear or moose or anything else that's that much larger than you are. And quite honestly, um, I don't think anybody ever came out of a gunfight and said, uh, you know, I wish I'd had a smaller caliber. I just I just don't I just don't see that. But you can see a lot of these things are, um, are you know, this is part of the national conversation right now. Um, and, of course, uh, I guess luckily, uh, uh, question mark, both of our senators have, uh, have demurred from embracing any gun control. Dan Sullivan uh, put out a Twitter post that basically talked about the common theme amongst all these mass shootings has to do with <clears throat> essentially mental health. And um, and which I think we can all agree on. There's obviously a um, a trend line that runs through many of these mass shootings, and a lot of it has to do with the mental health uh, of many of these individuals. Uh, and I think it's something that we need to address. Uh, Murkowski was uh, a little less que- well. I mean, I guess she was more quiescent on it, but she uh, basically came out later and talked as well about mental health 
saying that there's, you know, there's no question that we need to improve public safety and gun violence and keep guns out of the hands of those disqualified to possess them. We can take additional steps to address the mental health epidemic, expedite the sharing of information for background checks when purchasing a firearm and tackling violent crime. Um, She later on went to say that uh, we must address the root of the issue rather than blaming the inanimate objects. I guess it's, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, that was Shabaka. So I guess I can still agree more with Shabaka than I can with Murkowski, and that makes me feel good. So anyway, there's, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, one of the more interesting comments came from Pat Chesbro, who is a Democrat running in the Senate race, that same Senate race. Now, her daughter was shot to death with a handgun, for which we are, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very sad about, and uh, I feel for her on that. But she says at the end of this, uh, a quote, or this quote in the article, she says, I don't know what the answer is, but I do believe that we need to try something and we need to gauge whether it's effective or not. Well, that's great, except for, of course, the fact that it is a fundamental right enshrined in the Constitution. <clears throat> so doing something and trying to gauge whether it's effective or not, that's not how the law works. That's not how the Constitution works. Uh, I know that everybody wants somebody to do something, but unfortunately, that's, that's, not, that's not how it works. Begich actually had a good response to that. He said, as policymakers, you cannot make policy in the wake of tragedies like this Emotion cannot lead that discussion, and I think that that is um, probably uh, one of the better answers to that. You can't do this from a place of emotion, although you want to. I mean, there's tragedies like this. Like I said, it took me a couple days to be able to talk about it because I was so uh, angry, upset, and saddened by it. It's not something that is easily, um, you know, it's not something. But it's not something you should do. You should not make those decisions in a in the heat of emotion. That is for sure. As I mentioned earlier, tomorrow is the deadline, 5 p.m., for filing in all the state races. And um, we've seen some different changes. One of the more interesting ones is the fact that Garen Tarr has now filed for this uh, um, the, the new newly reformed Senate seat J. Uh, she filed uh, last uh, late, 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 late last week. She filed for that seat um, to run against uh, Forrest Dunbar, who is already in the race. Now, uh, there's no nobody else but Democrats in that race right now. Um, and I would just say, uh, of the two choices, <laughs> I would much rather have tar, tar in there than Dunbar. Tar, at least, has fought for some other things that I think are important, including food security and some agricultural stuff. She has put up some interesting gun bills that have gone nowhere. But overall, I think I would much rather have – I mean, then that is, that's, a, that's a statement when you're like, no, I think I'd rather have Garen Tar than Forrest Dunbar in there. Oof. Oof. Uh, in other races across the state, there's some interesting stuff. The biggest thing that I – the biggest takeaway that I've got so far is that it looks like Josh Revac appears to be retiring from politics. Um, he uh, he has not filed for Senate seat F, um, and apparently is only appearing in the uh, I guess the special primary election for Congress. Now I don't know if that means he's going to file for the uh, for the full time seat, which is going to be voted on for the primary in August. I don't know. 
But it's interesting that he has not, as of this moment, filed for re-election in his seat. Instead, James Kaufman was at the division last week filing, uh, along with Janice Parks, who had already filed as the Democrat. Although Kaufman maybe didn't do himself any favors by voting against a full PFD. I don't know what the reaction is going to be from that district on that. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Let's see. David Nelson's refiled. Jamie Allard, apparently filing for House District 23, uh, and she so far is un, um, she has no opponents. She's unchallenged. Uh, up in Fairbanks, uh, Maxine Dilbert has filed against Bart LeBon. She is a Democrat and a longtime teacher. That is an interesting race because, remember, LeBon only won by one vote in that, uh, uh, in that race. Uh, Back in District 11, which was James Kaufman's seat, now that he's running for Senate, Republican Julie Columby filed for that seat. Uh, Also in that race is Ross Beeling and Jennifer Sohn, who is a hard-line, I guess, Antifa-level. That's what what, uh, uh, Suzanne Downing says. She's she's put some stuff up on Twitter that makes your eyebrows go, what? Um, And, uh, of course, Liz Vasquez, she's filed a run against Matt Clayman in the House. So there's a lot of things going on, a lot of things happening right now. But today is essentially, it's today and tomorrow before these folks all make their decisions. But the races are about to heat up, and we'll get a lot more details on that as we go forward. All right, we've got um, we got to go. we got more coming up. Brad Keithley is going to be joining us, and we'll be talking with him here in just a hot second and getting uh, the full take on the weekly top three. We'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty Base. Free Thinking Radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. Um, Let me go back up here. Hawk says he smoked ribs, chicken, and brisket over the weekend. Oh, damn, that smells. My my barbecue grill is acting up. I bought a brand new barbecue, uh, barbecue grill last year. And the doggone thing is acting like it's, I mean, you turn it all the way up and it doesn't heat up all the way. It's like the flame is coming out. It's got a brand new tank of gas on it and everything. I don't know what's going on, but it's irritating that I spent money on this. It's first new barbecue grill I bought in 20 years, and the damn thing lasted less than a season before it started giving me a, started fuzzing out. I don't know what I got to do. I'm going to have to take it all apart or something. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, good morning, six o'clockers. Um, good morning to the six o'clock club. Please don't use any fireworks. Uh, Michael says on YouTube, says nine millimeters, a high caliber. What a clown shoe. The Muppet in Chief has spoken. Um, this is a similar conversation to one I had with someone in Florida a couple of months ago. Uh, getting real tired of stupid bosses. Open tundra hunting caribou, you need a caliber that can reach out and touch them hard enough. I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, I just, he, again, the guy's a Muppet. He has no idea what he's saying half the time. K 
Kevin McCabe says, I read somewhere that every single school shooter had been on psychiatric drugs at some point. Limit those and age limit first-person shooter games would be a start. I don't know about limiting first-person shooter. I mean, all my kids have played first-person shooter games, and I don't see them out there trying to kill anybody. I think that there's a lot deeper issue going on there, Kevin, than simple. I don't think you can blame it on video games. The psychotropics is a whole other thing. Um, I think that there's, I think that there's definitely some questioning on the, this, you know, easy, this easy use of psychotropics on there. Dunbar is my assemblyman. He is an arrogant ass, says Paul. <laughs> Uh, can't say can't can't say that enough, can you? All right, let's get the uh, let's get the the let's get the Zoom thing going on here with Brad Keithley, and see. Um, come on, we'll get it going on. Uh, there we go. We'll do this. All right, waiting for Brad to uh, waiting for Brad to get the get the call going here. Jeannie says, uh, we can't keep claiming perfect storm at every school shooting over and over again. Doors inadvertently left open, sold a gun uh, that should have been denied, et cetera, secure the schools. No, I agree. I think that that is a – we've got other issues, obviously, um, but securing the schools would go a long way in actually following those protocols. The problem is, of course, is that when you get into that, eventually somebody just gets bored because nothing happens and something, you know, something can go wrong. That's the worst part of it. Brad Keithley joins us this morning. Hello, my friend. How are you? Michael, I'm doing great today. How about you? You're doing good. You're doing good. You are uh, loud and proud today. Uh, you ready to dive into this? I am. I'm sorry about your barbecue grill. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is, man. It's so frustrating. It's a beautiful stainless thing. It's just like a paperweight right now. Took me 20 min- <laughs> it took me 20 minutes to cook two hamburgers on it. I was like, my God, things running full board. It- <laughs> Barely got to 300 degrees, and I'm like, okay, this is just irritating me. So I don't know what I have to do. I don't know if it's the regulator or what. It's something. Something's going on in there. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things where you want to cook a nice burger on Memorial Day, and the next thing you know, it's like, well, that took 25 minutes to cook two hamburgers. <laughs> a waste of my time. Anyway, um, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, we're about to jump into this and get ready, so hold the line for me, Brad, for just a second. Uh, let's see, to her point, there are studies, uh, the effectiveness revision studies should be viewed before doing something. Oh, Brian was talking about the gal's comment about we should do something. Uh, Susie says Revac has filed to run for the two year term also. Okay. So Revac is in both races for the Congress. Uh, Bart has a Republican challenger too. Oh yeah. I meant to mention that. And I didn't because I'm a horrible human being. Um, Bart is, uh, one of the listeners to this program. In fact, um, it is, uh, uh, Kelly Nash, Kelly Nash filed last week. She's running against LeBon as well. So we'll see how that works out. I hope it, I hope it works out well. I'd love to see her in it. All right. We're about 20 seconds away. Brad Keithley is our guest. Uh, we're going to be, uh, diving into this with him in just a hot second. Um, let me hide that from there. There we go. All right, folks, like it, share, like it, share, like it, follow. Let's get it done. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming in. It is Tuesday. I'm still getting used to that. Feeling like Monday. 
but better because it's a short week. That's all good. Tuesday means we get to do our deep dive into the uh, into the down into the dirt here uh, and the nuts and bolts of everything. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, joins us every Tuesday to discuss it. Today we're talking about a little bit more esoteric things, um, but uh, I think still important. And uh, we join uh, with him right now. Good morning, sir. How are you, Michael? I'm doing great today. Thanks for coming in, my friend. All right, so let's get started. Um, first things first. You're going to talk with us a bit about what's going on with Cook Inlet Gas. Now, we've heard a few things about this, how some of the gas suppliers are saying, hey, don't count on us in the future because we're worried about things. And, then, of course, there was a story in the AP this morning about how NSTAR got sold to another place, try something or other out of Canada. There seems to be a lot of moving and shaking going on with South Central Gas. So what's happening and what is the effect going to be? Well, it's it's interesting. We went through this about a decade ago uh, when um, – uh, the Cook Inlet was transitioning from Marathon and Chevron, Marathon and before that had been Unical, and then Chevron bought Unical, uh, to Hillcorp. And before that transition occurred, both Marathon and Chevron were raising concerns about Cook Inlet gas supplies. Um, it turned out that issue was much more about deliverability. There, there's two things you worry about in gas supply. One is especially in an area like Alaska, uh, which has a, 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 a dominant winter cold or winter peak. Uh, one is your annual supply. Uh, and the second is your deliverability, your ability to deliver uh, on peak. And what we were concerned about a decade ago was more peak supply, the ability of the Cook Inlet to deliver into the pipeline system that supports both NSTAR and the electric uh, power generation uh, uh, system in uh, South Central. We were concerned about deliverability on peak. Um, and that got solved uh, in a couple of ways. One, uh, well, it got solved in one primary way. NSTAR built a new gas storage facility down right. in Cook Inlet, right. down, near, down near Kenai. And what that enabled them to do was to take a lot of summer gas that otherwise was shut in, frankly, because there isn't demand in the summer, put it into storage and then bring it out of storage in the winter uh, and add supplement of uh, the supply that was coming from uh, from the production wells. Right. Um, and that really solved that, that solved the problem that we were facing at the time. At the same time, uh, Hillcorp acquired Marathon and Chevron and had, did a you know, reduced costs because that's what Hillcorp does. Um, by, by reducing employee count and other things, but reduce costs, increase the, the economics of going after some additional supplies that Chevron and Marathon hadn't, um, and increase the overall, the overall supply of gas uh, coming out of the inlet relative to where it was headed with Chevron and Marathon. So those two things really solved, those two steps really solved the, the problem that we were facing a decade ago. It looks like we're going right back into it. And the thing that they're going back into another phase of it and the thing that is that is uh, interesting about that is at a presentation late last week uh, at Governor Dunleavy's Renewable uh, Energy Conference, uh, Luke Sawyer, who is the, the Senior Vice President for Alaska of Hillcorp, had this to say, uh, you should buy less of my gas. Now, this is, this is the head of Hillcorp in Alaska. <laughs> you should buy less of my gas. We should have other supplies of energy in the Cook Inlet. Uh, part of the reason is the need to address climate change, he said, and part is simple reservoir reality. Cook Inlet has enough gas supply supply for about the next five years. 
to avoid concerns about rolling brownouts, he said, but the future is less secure. What we want to make sure of is it's that five, six years from now, there is no crisis of natural gas. And that means we need to move with some urgency as a community to diversify our sources of supply. That's the senior vice president of Hillcorp. The, 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 the status in the Cook Inlet right now is that Hillcorp is by far the dominant supplier. There are some other much smaller oil and gas companies that contribute some, but, but Hillcorp is, after having acquired Chevron and Marathon's interest, Hillcorp and ConocoPhillips' interest um, in the Cook Inlet, uh, Chevron or Hillcorp is the big supplier in the Cook Inlet. So if they're telling people not to count on us, uh, that's a little concerning. And as he says, it's not, it's not an immediate issue, but, but you know, if they're, if they don't renew contracts that are supply contracts that go to NSTAR and go to the South Central Electric Utilities, that's a big concern. Um, so I, it's something that we, it's something that we need to start, you know, looking at taking into account 10 years ago, when we had this problem a decade ago, when we had this problem, all sorts of things were going on. We had the, the mayor, then Dan Sullivan, uh, appointed a, a special commission that started looking at, you know, alternatives for how we were going to deal with brownouts and Dade indeed went into, a, had a, had a, a whole series, a, a whole uh, a protocol for how we were going to deal with uh, shortages of gas supplies in the Cook Inlet. Um, and uh, we had uh, a number of other responses that, uh, that occurred at that time. So it's, it's something that uh, I remember sitting in one meeting at that, uh, during that period, where we were talking about uh, taking the Kenai LNG plant, reversing it, uh, and so it was able to accept LNG rather than exporting LNG, um, and looking at uh, bringing in LNG to uh, to the Cook Inlet. So, it's 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 an issue that we that we hit about a decade ago. We found solutions to in terms of in terms of meeting deliverability with increased storage, and in terms of Hillcorp coming in and and scraping rocks deeper, better than Chevron and Marathon had more rocks, maybe is a better way to put it, uh, than Chevron and Marathon had and, and maintaining gas supplies that way. But, you know, if Hillcorp's raising the alarm, it's a legitimate alarm and something that, uh, that we, need to be, uh, we need to be looking at. So what, what are, you know, what are the, the major options for, uh, you know, for, for replacing that? I mean, do we pull it off the North Slope? What, I mean, what are, what are the next, you know, what are the next closest choices other than what, the reversal of what you were just talking about there? Well, um, one choice that was promoted at the Governor's Renew uh, Renewable Energy Conference is renewable energy, more renewable energy, uh, tidal energy, hydro energy, uh, uh, wind energy, uh, and bringing more renewable supplies, solar energy, um, uh, and bringing more renewable supplies onto the South Central grid. And indeed, the South Central utilities have announced an upgrade to the, that they're going to invest in an upgrade uh, to the uh, South Central electric transmission system to try to accommodate additional renewable uh, supplies. Um, another option is increased exploration in the Cook Inlet, uh, dealing with it by additional supplies. There's a real problem with the Cook Inlet, though. It's it's a it's a very small market, and so if you go out and spend a bunch of month a bunch of money exploring for gas and find a bunch of gas, there's really no place to go with it. Hillcorp's got all the contracts to the to the utilities locked in. Um, there might be opportunities as Hill if if Hillcorp in fact starts backing out of the Cook Inlet, but it really it's tough to get investment into new exploration uh, into the Cook Inlet. Uh, and then the third option, and frankly the uh, the 
the, the third and fourth options are either bring in LNG to the South Central or build a gas line. And frankly, the more economic of those two options, unless you have an export market for the gas line, the more economic of those op two options is to bring LNG uh, into the Cook Inlet to, to use the, the Kenai LNG facility and, uh, and bring LNG into the, into the Cook Inlet. So it's not, it's not like we're going to go, you know, it's not like we're going to suddenly be, you know, have no natural gas in the, in, in the, in the inlet. Um, but, but we need to be looking at, at the other options and start considering uh, uh, what those, how we, how we follow through uh, on those other options. So do we import LNG from other markets or do we ship it down from the North Slope? Do we liquefy it up there, bring tankers around? I mean, what's the, what's the better option there? Well, we, <laughs> there's been a lot of studies about, uh, about building LNG facilities on the North Slope. Uh, the whole problem, the, the the big problem is the shallowness of the of the of the ocean up there, uh, and the ability to get tankers uh, tankers in and out. Um, and, and the historic problem has also been ice. Um, so have, dealing with those two issues, no one's ever solved uh, those two issues. Uh, building a line down from the slope uh, is just you know, a huge economic cost. Right. I mean, we, we've talked about the, you know, the 40, 30 or 40 or 40 billion dollars. Right. Right. And that's likely higher now because of inflation that's going on in the in the construction markets. Um, so that's just a huge economic cost. And for a very small market, even if you pick up Fairbanks on the way, uh, it's just for a very small smart market like South Central that the economics just don't work. So we're fortunate. We're fortunate in that we do have I mean, the ultimate fallback is the LNG facility, the LNG import facility. And we're fortunate in that we have that. Uh, Tesoro bought it, now Marathon bought it, uh, and converted it to bring uh, LNG in. So it's sitting there uh, in a mode where it could be used uh, to bring in LNG. That LNG presumably would come from the same place that, that Asian LNG is coming from, uh, the U.S. Gulf Coast or uh, for elsewhere. Uh, but uh, that's sort of that's that's sort of what our what our options are. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. All right, so it's something to look for on the horizon. We'll be, I'm sure this will be a topic of conversation over the next uh, year or two at least uh, before we come up with some kind of decision. Let's move on to uh, number two, which is the future of the PFD. Uh, we got about uh, four or five minutes here that we could talk about that. We could split it up into two, Brad, if we need to. But let's, uh, let's talk about what you see as the future of the PFD now that we've settled out this year. Where does it go from here? Well, there was an interesting article in the uh, Alaska Beacon, which is the new uh, news source uh, founded by, <laughs> founded by uh, uh, as a nonprofit, uh, headed by Andrew Kitchenman, who used to be with uh, Alaska Public Media and has James Brooks and others as writers. Um, and it was the headline of the story is legislators ponder next step for PFD after one of the biggest in history. I hate that headline. I hate, I hate the one of the biggest in history. It, it, it wasn't even, it so, wasn't anywhere close to a statutory PFD. Um, right. And it, and it wasn't, it, it didn't even reach a POMB 5050 when you look at, when you look at over uh, the FY22 and FY23 uh, combined, which is how the legislature sort of dealt with the budget this last session. Um, and so, you know, it, yes, in terms of nominal amount, it may be one of the biggest in history. Uh, but in terms of meeting the statutory obligation or meeting even the POMB 5050 objective, it doesn't that. Uh, but but Kitchenman's article is about you know what what where does it go next after uh, after this and I and 
you know, he, he interviews various people, including uh, representative Prox that says, you know, now that we have, now that we've had a higher PFD that sets the standard for future PFDs and, and, uh, and others on the other side, including Senator Stedman that, uh, that, uh, that, that feel differently uh, from that. I think the, I think the answer is really in this election, the answer is we don't know uh, until we get through this election cycle uh, with a third of the, of the legislators, a uh, third of the legislative seats up, up for grabs, either legislators not running again uh, or, uh, or, you know, redistricted open seats uh, with a third of a, with a third of the legislature in that mode, either, either legislate the, the incumbents not running or open seats, uh, there's going to be a huge turnover in the legislature. And that doesn't even take into account the potential for, uh, you know, upsets uh, with incumbents being defeated. So right. uh, we're, we're not, I don't think we're really going to know what the, and, and then we got a governor's race. We don't really know what's going to happen uh, until, until we have a governor who, uh, who outlines the, uh, the way forward. I do think that, that the, 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 pro PFD, the uh, continue to follow the statute, or at least no less than than POMB 50-50, I think those forces remain strong. I think we saw how strong they were, uh, certainly in the Senate uh, with the votes this session. Uh, I don't think that, I don't think those forces are going away. But at the same token, you know, the, the, the combination of the progressives who want big government and the top 20% who don't want to pay for it, uh, uh, those forces, which have combined to, uh, you know, uh, force PFD cuts in the last uh, last several sessions, those forces remain uh, strong as well. My hope is that is that we have candidates uh, uh, through this legislative through this through these legislative races who are elected and go into office next year, who are committed to talk about uh, uh, intent on pursuing. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the resolution talked about by the fiscal, uh, fiscal policy working group, the legislature's fiscal policy working group that came out last year really didn't get much traction in this legislature. Right. But I think, but I think well defines the way forward. And my hope is that we have candidates who pick up on that, run on that uh, as a solution to the PFD and take office next year uh, committed to that. And that, and that the, the fiscal policy working group outlined includes a commitment to a constitutionalized um, uh, 50, 50, POMB 5050 PFD. Let's play that out here in just a moment. We'll talk, uh, continue with Brad Keithley in just a minute. Uh, we will talk about, uh, you know, what, is that, what does that look like? And, and we'll, we'll game it out just a little bit. The Michael Duke Show continues. we got more coming up with more Brad Keithley, the weekly top three. We're in number two of the three. Looks like we'll get through all three today. Don't forget, you can join us on Facebook if you would like to sound off and talk with us there as well. Ask questions for Brad uh, during the break or whatever. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show slash live if you want to come out and be part of it right now. We'll continue with more right after this. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, uh, continuing on, Brad Keithley, our guest here during the break. This is not a question specifically for Brad, but uh, Hawk says, I heard the PFD money is coming out in July. Is that true? 
Um, I don't know. The governor pushed the PFDs up last year uh, because of the fiscal need. And I, I certainly think there's probably still a fiscal need in the state of people dealing with post-pandemic economics and everything else. It's possible. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. I know that there was some discussion around that going around. There were some rumors. But, Brad, have you heard anything about an early release of the PFD? No, Michael, I haven't. Uh, I, I, you know, there was there was some discussion about dividing it. I mean, the governor, I think, at one time proposed dividing it between a spring PFD uh, as a supplement to the FY22 budget and as the regular PFD in the FY23 budget. I would be a little surprised to tell you the truth. I mean, one of the things, the 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 timing of the PFD is is historically. The, the, the justification for it is to get people ready for winter. Comes in October, people get you buy it, you know, buy their winter supplies, buy their winter supply of fuel, buy, you know, goods for winter, whatever, whatever uh, uh, you, you buy in bulk for winter. That's the historic justification of it. The side justification of it is, is it comes a month before the election uh, and is a good reminder for <laughs> at least for incumbents. Right, right. Uh, Look what we did about, for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And with the governor uh, facing a race, uh, a, diff, uh, a challenging race, uh, you would think uh, this coming year, uh, you would think that 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 motivation of having it come out in October uh, might be might be the predominant one. I I don't know. I you know he he I assume that he could distribute it earlier. The statute calls for it uh, in October. I I I don't probably there may be authorities that, that that allow him to give it earlier but i would be surprised i would be surprised yeah he did this last go around i know that it was part of, they said it was within his purview to release it at, early on when he did it in july i guess it was last year uh or was it 2020 i guess it was last year he released it early um so i don't know we'll we'll have to see uh maybe they break it up and said uh, maybe they break it up and do the PFD in June July and and the energy relief in uh, October. I mean who knows? Who knows at this point? It's you, all speculation. You, you wouldn't want to do that because then you you'd have two administrative costs. I mean That's there, true. there are there are administrative costs in getting in 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 processing and, and getting this money out. So you, you really you really wouldn't want to try to break it into two pieces. Yeah. No, that could be uh, that could be tough. What is the source of Anchorage's gas? We talked about that a little bit. That's the Cook Inlet for the most part. Uh, Charlie's asking that. Uh, that's where the lion's share is still coming from. The Cook Inlet, right? Oh, it all comes from the Cook Inlet. Yeah, um, uh, it, it's also the source of Fairbanks's gas. I mean, one of the interesting things to sort of think about here is Fairbanks is building up all this infrastructure to hand, to have natural gas deliveries in Fairbanks. That's all based on the Cook Inlet. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean some people have talked about running a, a very small line down from the North Slope down to Fairbanks. That's hugely expensive on a on a per unit basis. Um, so what's really happened is 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 they've developed an LNG system to bring gas up from the Cook Inlet. That's dependent on the Cook Inlet. So if the right. Cook Inlet's going to have gas supply issues, I mean theoretically what what you do is you shrink we sort of went back we went through this in the in the 1970s when we had gas supply shortages nationally nationally you prioritize those uses that don't have alternates so presumably you shrink the gas supply would focus on instar and focus on uh, gas used for heating uh, and then you would find alternate uses that's why there's the, the focus on renewables for the for the electric side right uh, but, but right now uh, most of the predominant share of South Central's, all of South Central's gas supply used for home heating, 
all of all of Fairbanks's gas supply used for home heating, um, and a predominant share of the gas supply used to power generation uh, is coming from the Cook Inlet. Well, the irony of that is, of course, I was part of that whole thing when they developed the authority and did all those things. Things that I was adamantly against is because we saw what happened. They delivered gas into Fairbanks, but then they charged just a few pennies less of what it would cost to heat your home with other methods. Um, and it was not universally accepted. Obviously, they invested millions of dollars. They they ran gas pipes out by my house in North Pole. I mean, they were like, "We're all this is all going to be here tomorrow." Now that was almost ten years ago. So, I mean, it's just uh, you know, I don't know if it's a pipe dream or not. But good luck. You're not going to see the same price for gas in Fairbanks that you're going to see down anywhere else. Uh, it would have to make fiscal sense. And at this point, I'm not sure that it does. Forty five seconds, Brad. Well. Uh, uh, the Cook Inlet, the Cook Inlet's a, a key player in uh, in South Central Energy, so we're going to have to we're going to have to be focusing on this over the next uh, over the next uh, at least a couple of years. Yeah, uh, yeah. Donna Ardwin says forty million dollars in administrative costs when you put out the dividend. So yeah, you definitely don't want to be doing that twice uh, for that kind of stuff. All right, we're coming back into it here. We are about twenty seconds out. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Do me a favor, please like and share this video. Please like and follow the show page. If you're on YouTube, subscribe and ring the bell. If you're not on YouTube, please go and do that. I need a thousand subscribers. Here we go. All right, we're continuing now with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, uh, diving into this here to figure out uh, what's going on. We were talking about the number two of the weekly top three, which was the future of the PFD. So game this out for us, Brad. I mean, if we get somebody, uh, if we get, and as we said, 59 of 60 seats are open, a good third of those, either the incumbent is retired or there's a good chance for an upset, what does that mean if 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 we get people in there who are more pro PFD, pro public or you know private sector spend versus the pro government spend? Uh, we've got some options. If not, uh, does the PFD last? Does it exist? Does it get does it get subsumed by the government spending? What you know, play it out for me here. Well, if we get enough people in the legislature to do something about it, what we need to focus on is to constitutionalize the PFD because as long as as the fiscal policy working group recommended, as long as it's subject to uh, legislative uh, uh, fiat or legislative discretion, uh, it's always going to be a bouncing ball. I mean, it'll it'll be sort of be like Anwar, right? It'll be one some years it'll be high when there's when there's pro legislators legislators supportive of it and when revenues are high. Other years it'll be low when we have governors like Walker or we have legislators in there who. You know, uh, either want high want high government spending, but don't want the top twenty percent to pay a share of it. Um, so it'll keep bouncing bouncing back and forth. It won't be a reliable contribution to the private sector or a reliable country contribution to uh, to Alaska families. And we need and and to fix that, we need to put something. We need to put a PFD fix in the Constitution. That's what the that's what the focus needs to be. Um, if we don't. Uh, if we don't get that done, uh, uh, I, over the next 10 years, we're just going to have continual battles. And, and, and the battle is going to be the same as, we, as we've had it uh, over, the, uh, over the past uh, decade or since, well, 20, past half decade, since 2016. 
the battle's going to be those who want to spend, uh, what, those who think that the PFD should be used to spend to support government spending, and uh, the top 20% who don't want to pay for government spending, and so they want to use the PFD to do it, uh, push the cost down on middle and lower income Alaska families. It's going to be that against the other side, which believes that the PFD, that there are revenues to support the PFD. The statute says they come from the earnings. The earnings are, have, have produced enough to support the PFD over even the last half decade. There's going to be those who continue to push that and either call for lower government, lower government spending uh, uh, down to the levels that where you don't need supplemental revenues uh, or, uh, or those who say, okay, if you're going to need supplemental revenues, let's make them equitable across the board. Uh, all Alaska families contribute to the, to the cost of government. So it's going to be, there's, there's going to be that sort of tension. I don't think the PFD disappears in that tension, but I think the PFD stays low, um, lower than, lower than the statute, lower than uh, POMB 5050, because the, the, the balance of the, of those two forces working against each other, um, the PFD sort of ends up at about. Well, <clears throat> Brad locked up there. We'll see if Brad comes back to us here in just a hot second. Uh, we're listening with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, and uh, we just we just lost the connection to Brad, so we're going to continue. Right, right. There we go. Sorry, lost you there for Brad. You lost you there for a second. We're back now. I'm sorry. It, it's just it's just ties you up every year trying to deal with uh, trying to deal with uh, the PFD if we don't if we don't get it resolved. Well, and that leads me to a bigger question before we get into number three. Um, you know, the, the question that uh, a lot of us are asking about the Constitutional Convention. Um, I have not been a fan of that, but I've come to realize that because of the lack of political will, it may be the only thing that at least forces or puts more pressure on the legislature. I mean, in and of itself, it may not fix the problem if the legislature fixes it in the meanwhile because they see the pressure of the con-con. Uh, have your thoughts changed on that at all? I know that you were very hesitant to dive into that because of the opportunity that it presents for others to uh, meddle with the Constitution. What's your current thought on that now based on what's just happened? Well, I, I'm i still concerned about, uh, about how that plays out, about how a constitutional convention uh, plays out in terms of, in terms of the issues uh, I still think uh, that we haven't seen the real force that's going to be behind a constitutional convention, uh, which is going to come if Roe versus Wade is 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 overturned uh, this summer. The issue goes back to the states. I think there's going to be a real push uh, for a constitutional convention in Alaska, frank, frankly, to deal with the right to privacy uh, provision in the Alaska Constitution and try to you know lower the state's uh, uh, limits on, uh, on on abortion, so um, or or increase the state's barriers to abortion. So I, I, I think the con-con is going to stay out there as an issue. I, I just, I, I continue to be concerned about, uh, about the, 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 just the reopening the whole thing uh, across the board. I continue to be concerned about what is, whether that's a realistic solution to the PFD. I mean, we talked, we walked through the, the timeline before it, it's another election before we have this election. We said we want a con-con. Then it's another election before we elect delegates to the CONCON. Then, then we have then those delegates have to come to some sort of solution. And given the way this state split on a whole lot of issues, I'm not sure they ever get to a solution. And the and the PFD just sort of keeps you know being bounced around in the meantime. I would much prefer to have the legislature address the PFD to have candidates election elected this cycle, 
that address the, that that are committed to addressing the PFD as part of a long-term fiscal plan that go into the legislature next year and 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 deal with the PFD in that way. I don't know. It's it's it. I, it like you, I remain somewhat ambivalent on uh, on the concon. Uh, uh, you know, you I, I've tried to make an argument argument to myself that passing a concon, voting for a concon doesn't necessarily mean we're going to change the constitution. It does, it does put more pressure on next year's legislature to find solutions to the, the PFD and other constitutional issues and, and try to, you know, limit the, the exposure before we get into a full constitutional convention. Um, I, it, it's going to be, a, it's going to be an issue that, that we're going to have to think about more, I think, as, uh, as we go through, uh, go through the fall. All right, this takes us up to number three, the word uh, Anwar. In fact, one of the headlines in the ADN this morning uh, reads, oil drilling in Anwar faces long odds. It's still dividing progressives in the Alaska House race because you're seeing a lot of progressives still saying, yes, we need to drill in Anwar. Uh, what uh, What is your take on what's happening with Anwar now? Where does it go in the future? Well, we talk a lot about Anwar, and, and it's a very divisive issue, uh, uh, in in some quarters, but frankly, we're wasting our time. <laughs> uh, there was a Matt Hertz did what I think was a was an excellent story in the uh, in the ADN a few days back. Uh, the title of it is Two Oil Companies Quietly Spent Ten Million Dollars to Exit Arctic Refuge uh, Leases," and what he's talking about was a was a recent disclosure in uh, ASRC's annual report. Uh, ASRC actually owns some of the mineral estate over in uh, over in the Anwar area, and ASRC had entered into leases a long time ago with Chevron and BP. Uh, BP subsequently uh, signed its interest to Hillcorp uh, at the time of the acquisition. Um, had entered into leases a long time ago for Anwar. In the event Anwar ever got opened, ASRC uh, wanted to push those leases, push development on their leases as well as on the on the federal leases. And the story reports on, a, on, on an entry in the ASRC annual report uh, indicating that both Chevron and Hillcorp paid ASRC to get out of those leases, uh, to terminate uh, those leases. And the concern that both companies had, I would imagine, is this. Uh, leases, when you have a lease, you have an obligation to go forward and, and, and drill on and develop the lease if it's economic. Right, um, but you have an obligation to, to to drill on the lease. That's part of the obligation that comes with the lease. And with and with the federal government going back and forth with Anwar, uh, I think both Hillcorp and uh, and and now Hillcorp and Chevron were confronting a situation where ASRC might be able to force them to to drill uh, on Anwar duty uh, on to the, perform right ASRC Anwar leases. Right, that's the duty to perform function of the clause of their contracts or their leases. R Right. So I, I think what, what happened there was uh, that, that both Hillcorp and Chevron paid money to terminate the leases to get out of the obligation to, uh, to drill. The, the money, you know, a lot of people are talking about getting into Anwar. All the money is running away from Anwar. We, we saw it when the federal government had the leases open and, and you know, and, and put the leases out there that, that the only bidder on those leases was a state entity, the ADA. Uh, the Industrial uh, Development and Export Authority uh, uh, was the only bidder on those leases. Private companies, none of them wanted to come in and, and bid on those. Nobody believes, I mean, even if Anwar is open for a moment, even if, you know, we get another Trump administration or another Republican administration that opens them for a moment, 
It's going to be followed by another Democrat administration that'll close them again. And nobody believes you're going to you're ever going to be able to realize anything on the investment. So we talk a lot about Anwar, but but look at the money, follow the money, and all the money is running away from Anwar. It's not running into Anwar. Or yeah, getting ready to go into Anwar. Brad, um, and and all this talk we have about it is just sort of to me a waste of time. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Up next, hour two, Chris Story. Our discussions. It's more the Michael Duke Show. Brad, you had a quote in that article uh, where you said there may be oil in Anwar, there may be a lot of it, but no one is the faith that the federal government reliably will let it be developed and produced. Um, and that's really the main part here, right? Is the federal government, you know, oh yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. I mean, it's it's you know, it definitely doesn't give investors uh, a good uh, sound feeling in their belly when they see that kind of stuff coming up out of that. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing over at NPRA. I mean, NPRA expands, contracts, expands, contracts. I mean, it's just, you know, people think if we can just get another Republican administration in there, we'll get Anwar open and we'll have all development. No, you won't. And the reason you won't is because it takes a long time to, to, to determine that there's oil in there, to find the oil, to develop the oil, to build the infrastructure around getting the oil out. Uh, and within that period of time, you're going to have another administration that's going to close it back. And, and no one is going to make the investment, no reasonable investor, not, not, a, not a public company, not a private investor, no one's going to make the investment to go in there and, and develop, a, a develop those resources when you're going to be subject to that sort of shuffling. I mean, look at, look at Conoco, the Willow Prospect, big prospect, great prospect, tremendous prospect. Uh, they've got, they, they leased it, they found the oil, they're putting oil in there, and now they're being delayed probably two years, maybe more, uh, on, on the fact that the EIA has to be redone because the Trump administration, frankly, rammed it through as quick as they could, but not as carefully as they could, and left holes open in it for, uh, for judicial challenge. And so, you know, Conoco's got it all sitting there, they found it, they discovered it, they know what they're going to do, they have the plan for it can't start on it, can't get to it uh, because of the delays from the NPRA. And time is money. I mean, Conoco could be putting the money they put into that someplace else. So it's the, the, the challenge here. I mean, we can talk a lot about developing about developing Anwar. We can talk a lot about, you know, the potential out in NPRA uh, in, in farther out in NPRA, but, but convincing investors to put money into, into those uh, situations is just a, uh, we, we talk about it. We, we talk about it a lot more than there's money to support uh, talking about it. Right. Well, uh, and unfortunately, of course, it is the wealth in Alaska and it would, uh, you know, would bring more wealth to the to the uh, to the state and, and do well for us. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a trillion cubic square square feet of gas up there on the North Slope, too. But we can't seem to get at that either. I mean, this whole thing is the irony is that we are a resource rich state that seems to be starving ourselves out at every opportunity. We are a very resource-rich rich state, but the resources are way the heck out there, and and getting them developed and getting them to market is a is a huge uh, economic challenge, a huge commercial challenge. And I and I think <clears throat> this discussion that has been had in the past about whether the state should be the main player in that, I don't know. It's 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 not the state's place to do that. I mean, I'm you know all I have to do is look at a DMV or a post office and say exactly how efficient government can be in the way that it does things. The idea that government can go in there and create, uh, 
you know, whether it's pipelines or tanking systems or whatever else, I'm very skeptical that that could be run efficiently to the point of where it could even be economic or even, you know, that it wouldn't eventually eat up everything else that's going on. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a supporter of of the state perhaps co-investing, looking at co-investment opportunities with 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 private leads to help, you know, make the economics of a of a project work, to help provide a source of, of funds. But but under private sector lead, co-investing with private sector lead. The the concern I have, the concern I have with the the what Ada did at uh, at the at, at Anwar with with taking those leases, the concern I had with uh, with with Walker's LNG proposal, uh, once he sort of ditched Exxon and, and BP, uh, was you know it's it, it's the state and the lead, and you're absolutely right. I mean, DMV, you can you can think of other examples of of state led projects that that really that really don't go anyplace. Um, so co investing, I want to I want to hold open the option of co investing with uh, uh, with private sector in the development of Alaska's resources if that's if that's helpful. But but state-led projects just uh, to me just are you know, it's, it's a it's just another way of wasting money. It's just another way of saying we're doing something, talking about it uh, without actually having the ability to uh, deliver on it. Uh, Brad, final thoughts here as we wrap things up. We're about two minutes out, so I got about ninety seconds here. So uh, your final thoughts for today as we get ready to close for the uh, filing deadline and everything else. Any final thoughts? Good luck. <laughs> To everybody who's who's thinking about it, um, uh, and uh, and and hopefully we will have additional candidates because right now we don't have enough we don't have enough uh, 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 candidates to uh, to pass a PFD constitutional amendment. So if anybody's out there thinking about running uh, uh, in their in their for their legislative seat, do it. Uh, yeah, and uh, and get out there and make the case for it. I mean, every every person who's running for office should have a challenger, even if that's just to keep them sharp at this point. Uh, even if they are pro PFD, we definitely need uh, um, we definitely need it tomorrow again. Five PM is the deadline for filing. Uh, we've seen some people step up to the plate. Uh, uh, I'm thinking specifically of Kelly Nash and Bart LeBond's seat, but we need more. Uh, we need more folks stepping up there to where we could get that political will we keep talking about um, to make the changes that are necessary. Uh, but again, putting the PFD out of reach of the politicians should be priority number one. It should. It should to, to, to get, you know, any sort of fiscal solution, that has to be taken off the table. That has to be put in the Constitution. Then we can deal with getting everything else uh, uh, brought together. Yeah. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. My friend, thank you so much for coming on board as usual. Um, it's good to talk with you. I hope you had a great weekend. I did, Michael. Thanks for having me as, as always and look forward to talking to you again next week. All right. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, which brings us to the beginning of our two, my friends. You ready to dive into this and figure out where we're going from here? This <laughs> is somewhere. We're going somewhere from here. We're going to open up the phone lines, take some calls and do all that stuff here in just a hot second. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. 
Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. That's right, across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Thank you for coming on board and joining us. It is uh, it is the Michael Duke Show, hour two of the big radio broadcast. We just finished up with uh, Brad Keithley uh, from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, the weekly top three. We put it all uh, we put it all together there. We are uh, we're ready to rock and roll. Uh, coming up in this hour, we're going to talk in a few moments with Chris Story, the man from Homer, who is going to give us our weekly life coaching lesson, which. Uh, We'll, prob- we'll probably need this week, even though it's a short week. We'll probably need it more than ever as we go into uh, as we go into it and uh, see what the political season is going to bring us. If you're just joining us, we were talking previously about uh, uh, the deadline. The deadline for filing is tomorrow at 5 p.m. So we've just got over uh, I don't know whatever it is, 35 hours or something until uh, uh, we have a a set race at what can, uh, or a set uh, a set stat of the race that we're going to be looking at, um, and I'm you know I'm a little concerned that we're still seeing a lot of these people um, uh, you know are going to be uh, un unchallenged. We mentioned earlier that uh, you know people like um, James Kaufman is going to be running now for Senate seat F. Uh, where Josh Revac appears to be retiring from. He has not filed for his seat. He's filed for both the Congress races, the special election and the two-year term, the regular uh, election, and he has not, uh, he's not filed. So as of right now, uh, it appears that Kaufman is uh, going to be the lone player in that seat. And, of course, we know that he is no, no fan of a full statutory PFD, so I don't know exactly what, that's, uh, uh, what that is going to portend. We've seen some other races. The other one that came out was Maxine Dilbert, uh, the Democrat from Fairbanks, is now running against Bart LeBon. But the good news there is that Kelly Nash, a longtime activist and listener to the show, has also filed for that seat. So at least we'll have a three-way race there to see what it's. I mean, that's going to be a fun. That's going to be an interesting race um, uh, with Dilbert being the uh, uh, with Dilbert being the progressive liberal. And LeBon being the moderate, kind of in the middle, and Nash on the uh, on the running to the right of that, we'll see what that uh, goes on. Uh, we'll go. We'll see what goes on there. Also, um, District Eleven, which is uh, open, that was uh, James Kaufman's seat uh, that he's now that he's filed for seat F. Um, it looks like Julie Columbi. I, I hope I'm saying that name right, but. Uh, Julie Columbia, she's a Republican who filed for that seat, and she's going to be running against Ross Beeling and Jennifer Sohn, or Son, S-O-N-N-E, Jennifer Sohn, who apparently is a super progressive. She She's filed some real passive-aggressive um, 
quasi-threats on uh, Twitter and Facebook and everything else. Um, some interesting things have been said. Uh, she threatened to slash the tires of a paving truck for a company that had been a vocal supporter of Mayor Bronson. Um, I mean, there's some crazy stuff in there as well. But there is a lot There is a lot of uh, uh, interesting things happening in some of these races out there. Uh, and, of course, oh, we mentioned Garen Tarr filing for the new Anchorage seat. Uh, that's Senate seat J. Uh, she's now running against Forrest Dunbar, the Anchorage Assemblyman. Uh, and that's going to be interesting. So I don't know who's going to run for her seat uh, in the House, but <clears throat> there's some shuffling going on. There is some shuffling happening out there. So it should be interesting. But tomorrow is the day. Tomorrow is the final day uh, for filing. So if you've been thinking about it or if you know people in your neck of the woods that have been thinking about uh, running for these races, well, you're about out of daylight. you got to get it done. I know Steve Thompson's not running again in Fairbanks, but there are a couple people who have filed for that seat, um, and we'll, we'll have to see who comes out of that. I'm hoping that there are some good choices uh, there as well. David in the chat room says, Tar and Dunbar, so bad and worse. Well, you mean, yeah. I mean, of the two, of the two that I would, if you made me, forced a gun to my head and made me choose, I'd have to choose Garen Tar. At least it's the devil I know. She at least has supported some things that I believe in, including, uh, you know, working for uh, food security and some other stuff. Uh, Dunbar, I mean, the guy who has disregarded the Constitution and says that it doesn't matter and everything. I mean, he's an opportunist of the, uh, you know, of the, to the highest magnitude of opportunism at that point. So uh, it's, uh, it's some interesting stuff. Uh, so if you've been thinking about it, like I said, or if you know somebody who's been thinking about it, or if you've been working in these areas and you know that the uh, that the candidates that are in your district that have declared so far are not pro-private sector, are not pro-PFD, are more big government spend crowd, you may want to um, you you may want to encourage them to, or you may want to run yourself. I mean, you know. That might be that might be a thing. Uh, we saw Ron Gillum do that down on the peninsula, and he, uh, you know, because uh, he, he heeded my words at one point when I said, "If not you, then who? And if not now, then when? Uh, what do you got to lose? Nothing at this point. But get in there and and you know, fixing some of these problems in the state would be a big plus at this point. Uh, but every you know, fifty nine of sixty legislators are up for reelection. I'm hoping that people out there have educated themselves on their own, you know, local uh, reps and the districts and who they are. And and I hope that they're going to be, I hope there's going to be some new filings tomorrow, you know, tomorrow or I guess Thursday morning when we come in after the deadline. I hope that there's going to be some new filings that uh, pleasantly surprise us, but we'll have to, we'll have to see what goes on here. Uh, well, let's... Um, I'll tell you what, we'll open up the phone lines for a short period of time here. we got Chris Story coming up in a few minutes, but I thought unless you uh, wanted to uh, sound off on something else, we will open up the phone lines at 433-3150, the Pivotel call-in line. Powered by our friends at Pivotel and Satellite West, if you want to call in, I'd love to hear from you and get your take on anything that's transpired over the weekend. Uh, We can also talk about the... Uh, well, what's going on around the country now in discussions on firearms rights? We heard President Biden this last, uh, I guess, yesterday say that nine millimeter now should be banned. 
uh, that nine mil. There's just no rational basis for Americans owning a nine millimeter firearm, is what he says. Um, and he's advocating that we all go do our hunting with non-high caliber. Although he calls nine millimeter a high caliber, uh, again, he's a muppet. He has no idea what he's talking about. He, he just you know, this is the guy that said, just get yourself a shotgun and stick it out the window and blast both barrels, and that'll keep people. That'll keep people from. Uh, you know, I mean, the legal advice of uh, President Joe Biden, uh, you know, he's uh, he's not a constitutional scholar nor a firearms expert, but he continues to go on and tell us about what we need and what we don't need. Um, <clears throat> there's no rational basis for high caliber weapons in terms of thinking about self-protection and hunting. And as I said before, well, first of all, have you ever tried to take down a bear or a moose with a low caliber weapon? Second of all, I never heard anybody who came out of a life-threatening gunfight that said, boy, I really wish I'd had a smaller caliber. Really wish I'd had a smaller caliber. And now Canada is getting involved. Canada said yesterday that he's going to file a bill that will freeze the sale of handguns in Canada. And uh, uh, they're going to ban all AR-15-style rifles as well. And so there you go. Um, I mean, things just keep getting worse and worse. Worse and worse. Um, yeah, no, no. We're going to use a 17 HMR to take down a moose. Good luck with that. Let me know how that works out for you as it bounces off the moose's skull. Um, all right, so we'll take some calls on that or anything else you want to talk about this morning. We can continue. Let's jump over here to the uh, jump over here to the news or to the phone lines and see what you guys have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Ron in North Pole. Good morning, Ron. How are you? You getting all your low-caliber weapons ready for that big hunting season? Well, well, I just called to admonish all the listeners to uh, brush up on their baying techniques so that they'll be able to beg the bear not to maul them after while waiting for it to bleed out <laughs> after being shot with a twenty two. Yeah, exactly. I said, all you're going to do with a bear is piss a bear off. You shoot it with a twenty two, it's just going to get mad. It's not even going to get into the vitals on most bears. Uh, it'll get stuck in the fat layer, and you'll be like, man, I really wish I'd brought a larger caliber. <laughs> I'll let you go with that. All right. Thanks, Ron. I appreciate it. The begging skills, that's going to be... That's going to be important. Yeah, I better better polish up those begging skills. And I guess that could be begging skills for the bear or begging skills to beg the king's permission to be able to exercise your right to defend yourself. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Bonnie in North Pole. Hello, Bonnie in North Pole. What's on your mind? I was thinking about Mr. Wonderful Ding Dong Biden. What caliber gun is he guarded with? Oh, I imagine it's a lot of nine uh, millimeter and probably uh, uh, heavier rifle calibers as well uh, for his Secret Service and his uh, his folks around him. I'm sure that there's a whole lot of nine millimeter and higher protecting him. Yeah, well, but that's him, man. That's him, Bonnie. Won't be guarded anymore with anything. Well, that's him. Shots. We're going to guard that little special, you know what, with the slingshots. Well, no, no, no. I mean, that's that's for him. It's one rule for me and another for thee. That's how it works out. The elites don't worry about that. I mean, the Michael Bloomberg's of the world, who uh, would love, you know, the 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 mayor and the the leader of every town USA. He's surrounded by a phalanx of security guards who probably have got all kinds of special G whiz stuff under their coats. But don't worry, that's for him. That doesn't apply to him. It's just to the rest of us, you know, pitiful peasants who uh, who dare to uh, uh, push back against that and dare to defend ourselves. 
Well, I know we're not supposed to talk about what what goes on in Washington, D.C., but I love when Mr. Pelosi, he was pulled over for a DUI. I wonder how many special handcuffs he had. They were probably, <laughs> they were probably uh, uh, lined with fur. Oh, it's quite possible, I guess. I did see that. I saw that he was picked up for DUI. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I doubt he spent much time in jail. Again, another rule for thee and one for me, and that's just another one that they probably don't want to tell you about. Thank you for your call, Bonnie. All right, uh, we're getting ready to run into the break here, so uh, we're going to hold off on more phone calls. We'll be back in a minute with Chris Story, the man from Homer. We're going to be talking about all the uh, all the good stuff. We're going to get that weekly uh, lift, that lift, that positive mental attitude lift that we need we gotta uh we gotta go we'll be back with more here in just a moment don't go anywhere we'll be back with more right after this the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now, and we're going to continue going through there. A 12-gauge is equal to a 72 caliber. That's a large slug. Well, yeah, that's that's definitely higher caliber than what we're talking about. David said, this got knowledge from the guy who wanted to take away our AR-14s. I mean, yeah, as a AR-14s or AR-47s, I can't remember what he said. But, I mean, again, the guy is a total just he's a muppet he's got he's got no idea what he's talking about i mean all you had to do is go back to that again that uh part where he talks about taking that 12 gauge and just blasting it out the wind which is so highly illegal and i remember somebody tried to use that as a defense of the the vice president said we should take this you know no no that's not how the law works it's not it's not how the law works um Floyd says, remember the Kodiak bear that was killed years ago? It had a complete 9mm pattern in its fur and skin. Somebody emptied a 9mm into it, and it didn't even make it It didn't even make it through the fat layer. Yeah, I mean, a 22 again, it's just going to piss it off. Why would you, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> why would you do that? Um, uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting stuff. Okay. Uh, Marit says assault rifles. Oh, asking what the president was protective. Oh, I'm sure it's assault rifles. I know that they've got many of them have uh, slung assault rifles underneath their coats, short, little, short barreled assault rifles. Some of them have got pistol sized carbines, like, you know, HKs, things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all. But again, one rule for me and another for thee. That's how it works. That's. How it works. Buy a shotgun. Yeah, buy a shotgun. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, Brian says, not to mention the 9mm would be a cruel way to kill a bear if you could kill it. Because, oof, man. Um, It's hard not to believe that there's not been more mass shootings. Seems to happen when Democrats are in power. I mean, take away Sandy Hook and Obama. 
Uh, look, I mean, I think that, again, statistically, as we talked about with Jacob Sullivan last Thursday, uh, the statistically, the number of actual shootings, when you do the math and, and you actually classify them properly, is, uh, you know, 16 or 17 in the last 25 years. So, you know, while, while heart-rendering, heart-wrenching, and absolutely mind-boggling, you can't make the decision on emotion and think you're going to fix it. All the things that have been proposed so far, all the things that I've heard so far, have not, have not, uh, you know, shown that they could have stopped, you know, any of these mass shootings over the last 20 years. From, you know, background checks to uh, magazine bans to what, I mean, you could go through this whole thing. I mean, again, um, I remember the whole thing with, uh, um, I remember the whole thing with uh, the Virginia Tech shooter, how they jumped on the bandwagon on that, and oh, it's this and the high capacity, ma- and it turns out he all he used all ten round magazines. I think he didn't go for high capacity magazines, he, and he used pistols, which he had legally purchased, even though he was you know had been classified at one point as being a danger to himself. So all these rules and laws and regs and everything they already have in the books, and the, you know the Sutherland Spring shooter dishonorably discharged, supposed to be reported from the Air Force to the NICS system, didn't get it done. He bought the gun anyway. I mean, you know, we've got laws on the books, but they're not working. And so what do we do? We pass more. Well, wait, shouldn't we fix the ones that are on the books right now? I'm just, I'm just asking, just, just asking. I mean, I would think that that would make sense, but you know, again, very, very, this is the problem. Everybody wants to make, they want to do something. But making policy decisions in an emotional haze does nobody any good. Unfortunately, that's where we're at right now. Chris Story uh, joins us right now, the man from Homer, ready for our weekly uplift. My friend, you with us? Good morning, Michael. am indeed here. Okay, so what's our topic for today? Quickly here. The law of consistency. The law of consistency. Okay, all right, we're going to get in on that. The law of consistency with Chris Story. The Michael Duke Show continues your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share. Go to YouTube. I need a 1,000 subscribers. Hit subscribe. Ring the bell. Let's do it. Here we go. All right, uh, we're continuing now. It's our weekly visit with uh, our friend Chris Story, who is a realtor. He's an author. He's a potter. Potter? No, not it, it's a he makes pottery. And on top of that, he is our guru of positivity. He's the Tony Robbins of Alaska. Let's welcome him to the program. A big round of applause for Chris Story. Hello, my friend. How are you doing? Good morning, Michael. I'm on top of the world. Glad course, to be here. Thank you. Of course you are. You're down there. Uh, you're down there in Homer. That's. I mean, couldn't be asked for anything nicer than that. Uh, Our I, mayor recently said, if I might just put in a plug for Homer, since mm-hmm. you brought it up. Our mayor recently said at a writers conference that takes place here every year in Homer that uh, Homer is, in his opinion, in God's vest pocket. And I think. Wow. I don't think there's a better way to say it. I mean that that might be it right there. You need to get a T-shirt printed. 
Um, I'm yeah. living in God's best pocket. I mean, that might be a that might be a good one for sure. Um, all right, I'm just I like vests, so I'm glad to know that God wears vests. As well. <laughs> me, me too, me too. All right, my friend. Well, let's talk a little bit about the law. You wanted to give us today uh, and talk with us about the law of continuity, contiguity, <laughs> consternation, constipation. You wanted to talk with us about the law of constipation. What what, what did you want to hit us with this morning? The law of consistency of which you just demonstrated. What's See? on your mind comes I know. out of your mouth. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Constipation. <laughs> the, That's what's in. The law of consistency. So you and I have talked about The Secret in the past. It's no secret. Anybody that knows me knows I loved that movie when it came out. Not because it was a big revelation to me, but I just loved because I've been reading about and people have been writing about the law of attraction for thousands of years. I liked the package that, that Rhonda Byrne put it in. It's like she didn't invent, you know, Hershey didn't invent chocolate. He just put it in a different package. Right. Same with Rhonda Byrne and her, her movie about in the book about the secret in the law of attraction. And it's a good law to understand because I think a lot of people assume you have to chase certain things in your life, like chasing money, for example. But the truth of it is, in order to attract money to you, you must become attractive. So you don't chase it as much as it is you attract into your life what it is that you are looking for. And if you want more money, you must add value. You have to add value to the marketplace. That's the essence of the law of attraction. That's something that people have been talking about, writing about, speaking about, and teaching for many, many years. And so if you become attractive to the marketplace, it stands to reason you have to. I mean, Emerson's law of compensation, you have to be re- rewarded reciprocally. You, ha- it has to, It's the law of the universe. It must follow. That said, you have to attract by adding value. So the exciting part about understanding that is, is you become aware pretty quickly that you're not actually trading time for dollars. You're compensated not for your time, but for the value you add. That means you, without adding more hours to the day, of which we all get 24, you can add more value by adding and and create more and attract wealth into your life more than you've got just by becoming more attractive. And so that's where the law of consistency comes into play. Okay. Wait what a minute. it says is Wait a minute, you're cre- I, I before you jump into the deep end of this thing, to become more attractive, does this mean I have to schedule some plastic surgery or what do you mean by attractive? I mean cuz, you know. I, I have people coming to see you. Yes. yes. They're, they're on their way. It's a long men, way. Men, it's gonna, they're here to help, Michael. It's going to be a long road to hoe, that's for sure. What do you mean by attractive before we get into the consistency part of it? Education. Read add value. You have to become attractive. Let's say, for example, that you show up to work today with it. All you have to do is have a different attitude. If you show up, for example, Jim Rohn used to say, look, you could, this was back in the early 80s, so you have to forgive the monetary uh, conversation piece of it. So he said, you show up to McDonald's, they'll pay you $5 an hour. You whistle, they'll pay you five fifty. If you whistle while you work, you, you simply can add value by becoming more attractive person in your attitude, that's one thing. Just you could change that right now. You don't have to do anything other than change your attitude. Show up with an attitude of adding value to the workplace, to the marketplace, to your customers, to your associates, to your your peers, your teachers, your students. Whatever it is you do, you simply can change your attitude right now and say, I am here to serve, and I'm going to, I'm going to go deeper with the, this service today than I've ever gone before. That's easy. Another way is to read books. Read 
educate, take classes, become more attractive by elevating your own station. And that you're about the only person that can. I just read an article by a guy, incredibly famous person. I mean, you know, in his field of mergers and acquisitions, right? Famous. What? His name is Price Pritchett. And his specialty since 1975 has been helping large companies integrate and merge. He's made millions and millions of dollars. He wrote a simple little pamphlet called U Squared. It's changed millions of people's lives over the last 30 years that they've read this 30-page pamphlet, U Squared. I highly recommend it. My point of bringing him up is he said, uh, he quoted Joan Didion, who's a, a novelist, that he, the only way to win is if you're at the table. And he said, and he said, look, I'll share this with you. This is just in his most recent uh, newsletter. He's a songwriter. He's written many, many songs. He's got songs that he knows that Tim McGraw would get his hands on it, would make a number one country hit. He's written pop songs. He's written, and guess where they live? In a drawer, in his office, and nobody outside of his family really even knows that this is a passion of his. So he's not able to attract, with those in the drawer, He's not able to attract any attention to them or what he says he really wants, which is to have one of these songs. He just wants to hear it on the radio one time. He just wants to hear it in the soundtrack of a movie one time. He's never going to track that as long as they sit in the drawer. Now that he has spoken it into the world, he's become attractive to a point where somebody may forward that newsletter to somebody in Nashville who might look at that and go, huh, this could be interesting. Or it might give him the courage to simply put them out there into the world and attract to him what it is that he wants, which is to hear one of these songs performed by uh, a famous artist that he likes. So that's, he's, in other words, if you just take that simple thing about songwriting, he's not going to attract anybody to him with them in the drawer. So what is it in your drawer of your life? that you say you want or think you want, but you're not willing to put it on the table. And if you're not at the table, you're not going to win. You're not going to track to you okay. the hand you wish to be dealt. Okay. So we're making ourselves more attractive, and now we're going to apply the law of consistency to that. And it's basically in what I just described with Price Pritchett. If you use, for example, the law of consistency is essentially you have to see yourself as being the person to receive what it is you say you want, uh, what it is you say you want to do, who you want to become, you have to be able to see it. So within as without, you've got to be consistent in your thoughts that you visualize. The visual images in your mind have, must be consistent with what you say you want, your stated goals, your objectives. You can go through all the goal-setting workshops you want. You can have them written down in the format of the latest uh, guru of, of goal-setting. And yet, if you see yourself as not capable, not able, or not, it, this is outside of my reach, if that's what you see in your mind, that is what you'll achieve. If you see yourself as poor, so you shall remain, even though you say, this year I'm going to double my income. Uh, I'm going to enter a new career. I'm going to give up this job and I'm going to go to school. I'm going to better myself. I'm going to become more attractive to the marketplace. And yet you see yourself as poor. Then you shall remain. I, I love this story and I've told it many times because it was so moving and it involves Oprah Winfrey and Governor Chris Christie, then Governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. Right. Oprah was doing a big expose on him. He was there for the hour. I don't remember if it was one of her Sunday shows, whatever. Spent an hour with him. There's a picture 
in Chris Christie's home of himself with a football jersey, helmet under crook of his arm, and he's standing there, and he looks like a force to be reckoned with. He looks like a big, strong guy. And he said, Oprah, I can tell you, in that picture, in that moment in my life, I saw myself as fat. And he, he almost started to break down a little bit, and he consistently grew into the image that he saw. Even though he stated he wanted to lose weight, he stated he wanted to be fit, he stated he wanted to be something different, he could never escape the law of consistency because in his mind, the image, the self-image was fat. And so the law of consistency brought it into fruition, so he became fat. He became what he pictured. So the law of consistency says that if you image one thing in your mind, that is what will happen in, in the world even if it's against what it is you say you want. They have to be consistent. Your self-image and the image you're projecting out into the world through your goal setting, through your mission statement, whatever it is, got to be consistent. I'm often struck by one of the sayings, and it was the idea that, uh, and Hill talks about this, Napoleon Hill talks about this, what the mind of man can conceive and believe he can achieve. And and the hard part, a lot of times, you can conceive all kinds of things. But the hard part, of course, is the belief. And I think that's what you're talking about. You could say all you want. You could talk about doing this or doing that or having big goals and big dreams. But if in your mind, if your negative self-talk is, well, I'll never be that. Oh, I'd never do that. Oh, I'm just just fat. That's how it is. I mean, what you were just talking about. Uh, I mean, those are things that, uh, you know, that we all struggle with on a daily basis, but we don't understand how powerful that is on our on our computer, right, on our brain. It's yeah. garbage garbage yeah. in, garbage out. So we can be saying all the right things, and that's part of it. But the self-talk, the, the processes internally, has even more power, in my opinion. Absolutely. And if you plant seeds of poverty in your mind, I guess my question would be, why would you expect the harvest to yield anything but poverty? And so if you're surrounded by images of, of poverty, just for an example, and you, you live in, let's say, less than desirable means, and you're surrounded by like kind people and people of like um, income and status and so forth, that's what you see with your eyes. It's imprinted on your subconscious mind, and that's what you bring about. Unless you interrupt that and you plant a new seed, which you, as you, to your point, Michael, you must believe it. So you have to visualize it. Even if at first it takes a lot of work and you have to use the power of visualization in a very quiet setting, you have to quiet your mind and really convince yourself and do a number on yourself and, and plant those images in your mind. And if you need to support it with outside visuals, then that's where a vision board can come in very handy because it reinforces what you're trying to impress upon your subconscious mind. And the lenses, the camera, if you will, or your eyes takes those images in and will support what's going on in your subconscious mind. If you force it, it's not going to be forced upon you. Very rarely does success interrupt you sitting where you are. You've got to be working towards it. You have to be able to take over the random thoughts that are flying through our mind at any given time and like a, a, a squirrel ADHD mind that we so often, I think so many of us have these days, we have to get quiet. We have to visualize what it is we want consistent with what we're saying. 
we want. And then the action must follow. You can't obviously visualize yourself into a new body. You have to take action. You can't visualize your, your bank account just growing and then sit and wait. You've got to do something. So action is important, but all the action in the world could be counterproductive if your self-image, the image you hold in your mind of yourself is counter to what it is you're striving for. You'll always find a way to fail and come right back to that preset condition that exists in your mind if you do not change it. You talked about a pamphlet here a while ago <clears throat> called uh, It Works, and yes. it, uh, it it kind of focuses on that where you get those goals and you repeat them and you review them you know, multiple times in a day, and that's all part of that programming process. I mean, again, yes. You've got you got to visualize and and come up with those ideas and get those quiet moments and take the time and it does take time. I mean, I, you know, I've been trying uh, steadfastly to exercise some of the things that uh, that I read in that pamphlet after you told me about it, and it's hard. I mean, we're busy people; we get things going on. I found myself where I have missed a day sometimes or two of not reading my goals and and focusing on them uh, because we're not taking the time out. We need to we need to have it, but it's important. Um, because it's the only way we're going to reprogram the old brain case to make it work. Uh, I'm reminded. Yeah. I'm reminded of uh, you know something that was going around in a lot of the self help circles in the '70s that I think kind of did a lot of damage for people on the outside for credibility because there was this old adage of uh, in the '70s of you know fake it till you make it, and I think that had some negative connotations. But the idea behind it is you are acting as if what you uh, want is there. You're thinking about it. You're, you know, you're faking it before it arrives. And the faking it part, I think is what had the negative connotations, but it's, it's still true. It is acting as if the reality that you want has come to pass and you're programming your brain and you're much happy. If nothing else, you've at least become a much happier person because you're at least focusing on goals and moving forward. You're no longer a human Eeyore, um, you know, and, and I think that that, you know, while it may sound ludicrous to some people, it's a big part of what a lot of successful people have done to reach that level of success. Absolutely. I think you can ignore the laws of the universe. You can ignore the law of gravity. You can ignore the law of attraction or the law of consistency at your own peril. That's it. If you wish to do something, maybe you're already there. You could be listening to this and going, huh, what are these two blowhards talking about? I have everything I want. I am who I want to be. There's nothing I want to change. In which case, I say congratulations. I can't wait to read your book. But in the meantime, for the rest of us mere mortals, I say several times a day, use a quiet mind. And a lot of uh, psychologists will tell you to, to really quiet your mind, visualize black or sort of a dark gray. Just 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 close your eyes unless you're driving or flying. Uh, and, and visualize just a, a dark screen, if you will, just using you know computer vernacular. Just imagine this blank, blankness, but use a dark color, nothing uh, transparent. You don't want to see anything in your mind. You want to quiet your mind using the power of visualizing nothingness or blackness or dark gray, something neutral, nothing bright or stimulating like red or yellow, very black, very still, very quiet mind. And then imagine yourself as you wish to be. Imagine yourself doing what it is you want to do or who it is you would like to be as you move into your senior years, as you move into a new career, as you move into a new body or a new feeling or acceptance of yourself, whatever it is, and make sure that in that quiet space, what you're visualizing aligns with what you say and what it is you wish to do, become, have, 
where you want to go. <laughs> Make sure they're consistent. And doing it consistently. Absolutely. Persistency and consistency are the two main factors here. you got to, again, just keep at it. Now that we've freaked out all the straight people out there who are like, what are these two guys talking about? This sounds like some new agey, crystally. I mean, I can only speak from my own experiences that this has helped me tremendously in my life, taking some of these ideas and applying them to my life. Uh, final thoughts here, Chris. I'll let you go here in just a sec. I think in this time of, of cultural turmoil, it's easy to look around and find everything that's wrong, everything that's going wrong. And that's where I think a quiet mind in you and yourself and, and focus on what's going right and what's possible in your life and what you can do about it. Yeah, I think it's 100% true. And, of course, you can read some of these good things uh, in the works that Chris has written, including, of course, The Backyard Millionaire, uh, also Born to Live. You can find his books on Amazon. Some of them are on Audible as well. And you can get a little bit more of this good stuff from Chris uh, in many different ways. My friend, thank you as always. It's an interesting conversation. Maybe we've maybe we've opened up some people's eyes, maybe not. Uh, either way, I feel uh, I feel more motivated by it, and I appreciate you coming on board. Me too. Thank you, Michael. All right. Thanks for coming back and uh, being part of it. All right. We got to get ourselves on here. One final segment dead ahead. We'll open up the phone lines and we will talk to you. That's what it's coming out. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty based, free thinking radio. Back with more in just a moment. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, uh, in the break right now, uh, ready to go and moving on. Granny says, my goal is heaven. As long as I get there, everything else is relative. That's true. I mean, that's a good goal. I mean, I read the book. I know we win in the end, so that's all good. Uh, making the most out of my life is also top of my priority list, you know, making the most of what the good Lord has given me. Randy says, in the movie Somewhere in Time, Christopher Reeves imagined that he was back in 1912. He was able to achieve it until a penny's worth of thought messed up. It's funny that you mentioned that. I just came across that movie um, the other day on uh, one of the streams, and I was like, holy cow, it's been so long since I watched that movie. Uh, that's an amazing movie. Christopher Reeve and Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. What the heck was her name? Um, British gal. Just totally lost. Just totally lost what her name was. Um, but it, it's an amazing movie. It really is. It's a good. It's a great. It's a great film. Uh, somewhere in time. It was a Jane. Oh man, my my brain just. Just just dropped it out there. Anyway, great movie. Somewhere in time. Christopher Reeve. Um, going backwards. Psalm 91. Uh, everybody's talking about the chicken factory that burned down. Apparently, uh, Jane Seymour. Thank you. Uh, Jane Seymour. Um, chicken factory that burned down. Apparently, another 200,000 chickens dead. Um, David says, I've read that there's been at least 16 fires and explosions to food infrastructure since the new year. I mean, I've been hearing more and more about different plants and processing plants getting you know, broken down, burning, exploding. 
does make you wonder what's going on. Um, you can do all those good things to make your employer more successful, but only until the union pulls you in for a conference. Well, you know what? At least you'll be a happy, happy employee, I guess, at that point. But you can add value to yourselves in many ways. I've always personally found that going above and beyond is, uh, is, is the way to be. Um, let's see. Um, he's at the top of the world. Don't spoil the moment. <laughs> Who and what is this guy talking about, says Kelly. This is Chris Story, man. He is our positivity guru. He is the Tony Robbins of Alaska. You you do not know who Chris Story is? Jeez. I can't see how people are getting by with inflation, with wages the way they are. People are priced out of the cost of living to pay their way through society. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, Chris. Uh, And I think it's only going to get tougher from here. Um, It's... We're at a very difficult time for sure. Uh, Not 1929 times, but, you know, that could be around the horizon if we don't get our act together. That's the bigger problem here. All right. Um, What else we got here? Oh, we got uh, got somebody on hold. Boy, they've been on hold the whole time. I guess we'll see who it is and we'll get them ready for the return to radio since we're going to open up the phone lines. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Lauren. I'm calling from uh, Soldatna. Okay, Lauren, hold the line, my friend. You will be first when we return to uh, 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 when we return to the radio. So don't uh, don't go anywhere. You will be number one with a bullet. Number one, right out of the queue here uh, as we get things going on. Uh, Chris Story is the best segment on the Michael Duke Show, says uh, Barbara. I I like to think so. I think it's like it's one of the best for sure. Um, I definitely. You know, and maybe it's just the selfishness of me, but I definitely get a lot out of those segments every week. I'm hoping somebody else does. Um, but I definitely get a lot out of those segments because it reminds me of some of my basics, things that have helped get me through life, um, you know, uh, and and get to where I am today. So, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely appreciative of the Chris Story segments uh, out there as well. Oh... Want to be famous by followers? Somebody on Twitch just sent me a thing that says, by followers and viewers. If I bought them, what would that do for me? I, I can't afford that kind of stuff. I can't afford to keep paying people. Um, I'm going through here. Uh, but it's only really kids with more eager danger. Uh, somebody talking about... Uh, School shooting incidents, statistically insignificant is what it is, says Alaskan Bull. And it's a crappy take, but it's the only realistic ones. Our kids are even more danger every time they get in a car with us in the morning. I mean, statistically, you're right. I mean, the unfortunate part is even bare statistics, even a fraction of a fraction of a percent, still means that it's tragic. And that's the problem is that people are affected emotionally by those tragedies. And not that they shouldn't be, but you can't make good policy when you're doing it emotionally. And that's part of the problem. And, of course, all politicians want to be seen doing something about what's going on. And that's the big uh, – I think that's the big problem there. Um, all right. Brad and Chris need to switch topics. <laughs> We're going to have Brad do the positivity segment. That should be fun. All right. Here we go. Jumping back into it. One final segment. You guys ready to do it? Let's uh, be part of it here. Make sure you like and share. Subscribe on YouTube. Trying to hit a thousand subscribers on YouTube. Let's go.
All right. Uh, welcome back to the program. Uh, we've got uh, some lines on hold here. Number to call, 907-433-3150, the Pivotail call-in line if you'd like to call in. Coming up later this week, uh, we're going to be looking at Sean Thorne, who is the Libertarian candidate for Senate. And I believe on Thursday, we're also going to be talking with Billy Toyin, who is the Libertarian candidate for Governor. So some Libertarians this week. Also working on some of the other candidates as we get closer and closer to this election deadline. Let's go over to the phones now. We've got uh, some calls on hold, as I said. Uh, Lauren is in Soldatna. He's been on hold for a while. We appreciate him waiting out there for us. Let's see what he has to say. Good morning, Lauren. What's on your mind? Hey, good morning. Uh, glad to get on. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, Jane Seymour. Yeah, Jane, talking about. Jane Seymour. Yeah, she's she and Krista. For those yeah. folks, the folks in the in the on the radio don't know. We were talking about the movie Somewhere in Time, which is a we were talking about perceiving and and uh, and you know fooling your mind, and that movie came up, which is a it's a great movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but go ahead. Yeah. So anyway, uh, just a, a quick note. I really appreciate you having Chris Story on. Uh, I, every time I listen to him, uh, you know, I I know it's going to be a better day. Absolutely. So, uh, I appreciate that. But anyway, what I really called about. Is you had a fella call in, and you know, and, and you know, and people were laughing about uh, about the stupid, silly things that uh, this guy that is instilled into the White House right now, installed in the White House right now, you know, he says these uh, you know stupid, moronic things, and uh, the guy was talking about you know begging a bear to not hurt you after you'd wounded him, but more important is uh, that we're not ultimately begging a uh, tyrannical regime to not kill us. Uh, there's been a, there's been a hundred million people served up over the last century, uh, you know, to communism after people sure. have been unarmed. Sure. And, uh, and it's, and it's really important. It's important that people understand, you know, and you bring it up, you bring it up really good on, uh, on your gun Friday, even if you do it on Thursday, you, uh, <laughs> uh, you bring up you bring up that the, the Second Amendment is so much more than hunting. Yeah, it's so much more than than uh, you know just than just being you know able to have some kind of gun. It's uh, you know our forefathers meant for us to protect ourselves from a tyrannical government government, and we have a government right now that is that wants to be that and. Uh, and it's very, very scary. And our Second Amendment, as you well know, protects all of our other amendments. Without our Second Amendment, we'd be just like Canada right. and uh, Australia and places and, and uh, Great Britain, you know, where they just, uh, somebody, they, they just, the, the, the elites just decide, okay, this is what we're going to do, and they do it. Right. Well, but that's we've what we've got to protect our Constitution. That's why we say, I mean, that's why you get old Second Chuck Hedges. You got old Chuck Heston at the beginning of Firearms Friday saying, you know, that the Second Amendment is in order of importance, the First Amendment, the one right that allows all the other rights to exist at all. I mean, because, again, it is the one thing. It is the implicit threat of an armed populace that has kept the government in check for as many years as it has. I mean, I would I would hate to see where we're at today in America if that right had been infringed and eliminated early on in our nation's history. 
Yes, and politicians need to look up in Webster's or whatever and see what the word infringed means. I mean, infringed means just getting close. You know, if you if you and I are standing, you know, in a crowd or something, and you get too close to me, you're infringing. You don't have to touch me. You don't have to uh, assault me. You know, you're just getting too close could be infringing on me. Right. And, and politicians need to look at that word. Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, there's been plenty of infringements, as far as I'm concerned, there's been plenty of infringements uh, on that right and many others over the years in the federal government. But again, this is the frog in the pot. I mean, it's been a slow, steady boil that's been raised up, and this is where we're at today. I mean, the water's on the verge of boiling, and we're sitting in it going, this feels a little warm, uh, but we didn't see it coming. That's because it came up so slowly and so incrementally over the years. Okay, so on, on that note, the last thing I want to say is, uh, you know, if you're if you're conservative and you're listening, vote. Get your friends to vote, your family, because uh, with this uh, this election coming up and the ranked choice, the Democrats are counting on a low turnout from Republicans. Yep. And we've gotta we've gotta get up. We've gotta do it. We have gotta be diligent. We've gotta watch the polls and. Uh, Hold people's feet to the fire. I would agree. I couldn't agree more, Lauren. Thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate hearing from you out there in Soldatna. Thank you for listening today. You bet. Thank you. All right. Uh, folks, thank you for uh, for listening and calling in as well today. we got time for maybe one more call if you want to call in real quick at 907-433-3150. I want to remind you that uh, coming up this Saturday is going to be our big Uh, on-air, online radio auction. I'll be kicking things off at 10 a.m. in the interior. I think it picks it up at 11 a.m. down on the peninsula. But we're going to be, we're going to have a ton of stuff uh, that's going to be available for you for pennies on the dollar, restaurants and uh, helicopter tours and cruises and hotel stays or lodge stays, um, uh, uh, retail stuff, spa days, all kinds of stuff. It's all going to be starting again on Saturday, Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Uh, up in the interior. I think the uh, Peninsula stations pick it up at 11, but you can go to alaskaradioauction.com right now, alaskaradioauction.com, and you could check out some of the big-ticket items that are available for a bid right now. They're going to be bidding on some of those big items uh, to begin with now, and then we're going to uh, be auctioning off some big-ticket items as well. Um, that's coming up again this Saturday. Uh, I can't wait. It's going to be, uh, going to be a fun time. Uh, it's always, uh, it's always a good time to do the big radio auction coming up this Saturday. Again, go to alaskaradioauction.com and check out all the stuff that, uh, is up already, all the big ticket stuff. And there's going to be more coming this Friday. We're going to have, uh, we'll have a full preview going live on that stuff here, uh, in just a bit. Uh, coming up tomorrow on the program, uh, I believe we're going to have Sean Thorne on the broadcast and uh, Chris, excuse me, and uh, Mike Shower. Uh, Chris Thorne, or <laughs> Sean Thorne, rather, should be joining us in hour one, Mike Shower in hour two, and then in hour two on Thursday, Billy Toyne should be joining us, uh, Libertarian candidate for governor, along with his running mate. So it should be a fun, uh, should be a fun and exciting uh, week so far. Working on some other guests. Somebody asked about whether or not we're going to get some more congressional candidates in before the deadline. Working on it, working on it, 
Uh, not as not always as easy as we'd like to say. Not it doesn't always just pop in there like you'd like to see it. Um, unfortunately, I got one more line on hold. They just rang in, but uh, I'm 25 seconds from being out of here. So, folks, we will see you tomorrow. Be kind, love one another, live well. That's my exhortation to you today. Just be kind, love one another, live well. All right, folks, we will see you tomorrow. Thanks for coming into the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. All right, do I have time for one call? Let's see if they held on. We'll we'll see if I've got time. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Caliph Ali, calling from Fairbanks, quoting uh, from Emerson's essay, Self-Reliance, Thy Lotter, Portion of Life, is seeking after thee, therefore be at rest when seeking after it. Okay. All right. Self-reliance, definitely not a bad essay to be reading today. Thank you, my friend. All right, folks, we are out of time for real this time. we got to go. Appreciate you guys coming in. I have not seen Top Gun yet, but apparently it was phenomenal. I guess we'll see how that goes. I'm going to try and get out there and watch it soon. All right, friends. Thank you for being part of it. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty Base. Breathing and Radio. We'll see you tomorrow. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show